It is well, it is, it is well with my soul. You give me peace, peace like a river. You're always providing when I'm not at ease. You know what I need. You're there holding my hand. What's up, Jesus people? It's Ursula. Hey, 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 and AJ. Welcome to the One Lost Sheep Podcast. It's been a long time. It feels like it's been a really long time. We always say that. We're like, it's been forever. I know. You know, we haven't actually done this in a while because your whole family has been ill. <laughs> I yeah. sound a little congested. Yeah. Yes, I do. And I am. And I apologize. But this information could not wait, my friends. In fact, today we have a treat for you guys. This is the argument that made me go, huh? I need to research this Jesus guy. We're going to take a look at his claims and put them under some scrutiny. So let's go. Lord, loon, or liar. I feel like this one was my favorite to research because this is such a good point. Like it makes such a good point. And and that's really one of the ways we have to approach our faith is that if this makes so much sense, then it's likely that it's making sense for a purpose. For sure. And I've heard this argument before, like he's either the Lord or... Or he's a loon, which is he's crazy, and all of the things he claimed to be are insane. Or he's a liar, and he made it up, you know? And I've heard that argument before, but diving into it myself, instead of hearing someone else talk about it, made a world of a difference. Because I don't know about you, but I have, I've never questioned God, but I've definitely questioned Jesus. In what way? When I started reading the Old Testament, I feel like I had like almost intrusive thoughts. Like, what if, what if he's an an idol? Am I worshiping an idol? Oh, like, I see. What if he's a false prophet? You right. know, what if he was? What if he was lying? Or what if he's a legend or right. a myth? You right. know, you know what? Honestly, there is not a single mainstream scholar that doesn't at least acknowledge the historical personhood of Jesus. That that a man named Jesus did exist over two thousand years ago. They also have enough non biblical evidence to support the crucifixion fiction. You know, so he's mentioned in early, early non-Christian text by notable historians. There's really not a single mainstream scholar that thinks Jesus is a legend. At the end of the day, I think everybody has a question to answer, and that is, what do I believe? Yeah. You know, because whether you decide that your belief is that there's nothing, that there's an absence of something, or whether you believe Jesus, or maybe you your heart is leading you elsewhere, okay? Let's just say, for the sake of the argument, at the end of the day, there's only going to be one of us that's right. Yeah. Right, one group. It's it's not gonna be everybody dies and goes to their own version of heaven. It's just not gonna happen that way. We're all gonna find out the truth upon death. And so that's why I take faith so seriously because it's happening whether or not I like it to. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so I need to know. And that's why Christianity for me was it, because there is, there's just a wealth of evidence. Actually, to go along with what you're saying, I didn't realize how many religions actually acknowledge Jesus. Even if he they are not acknowledging him as the Messiah, there's no question that he was a real person, which I thought was really cool. I did not know that about all the other religions. Yeah. I'm itching to tell you what I have found in my studies. Well, let's let let me do a little bit of background first. So the original argument was made by a mid-19th century preacher named Rabbi John Duncan, but it was made popular by the author C.S. Lewis, um, who is, I would say, most known for his Chronicles of Narnia series. He said that the most foolish thing we can say about Jesus is that he was a great moral teacher. He 
couldn't have been a great moral teacher and made the kind of claims that he made about his deity. He's like, he was either a lunatic, yeah, okay, or he's a liar, which would literally make him the devil of hell. Okay, he said, you must make your choice. Either he is the son of God or a madman or a liar. He's like, he didn't intend for you to think he was just a great moral teacher. Yeah. That's a good point because I read something saying like, why would he, why would the Pharisees have been so upset about his claims? Yeah. If he was just a prophet. Right. If he was just another prophet, Mm -hmm. like others have been before him, Mm -hmm. why would they get so upset and want to kill him? People say, well, Jesus never actually said, I'm the son of God. Uh, Let's actually look at that. He called himself the son of man 102 times in the Bible. Oh, wow. The son of God 65 times. He proclaimed God was his father 54 times. That's over 220 times that he directly asserted to being God. And that is not counting the times he was called God and did not deny it. Like Peter in Matthew 16, John the Baptist in Matthew 3, or the Samaritan women in John 4, who tells Jesus, you know, this Messiah is coming. And he replies with, I am he. He also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. I think there is absolutely no doubt as to who Jesus was saying he was. So to play off that, in John, he said, I and the Father are one. But also in Matthew, Jesus actually asked Simon Peter, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter actually answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. So, I mean, there's no doubt he, he, he's who he was it. saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So now we just have to figure out, is he crazy or w- was he lying or was it true? Well, here we go. Here we, here go. we go. Do you, do you want to know my end first? Or I want to know it all. <laughs> go. I've been so excited to tell you. I know. I'm like just jumping out of my seat. Go. I know. Go, go, okay. go. So I come across this amazing article, which we have to link because it's an easy read and I feel like everyone would benefit from it because it explains it way better than I'm about to. (laughs) I'm just going to hit the points here. (laughs) So in this article, he's basically saying, like, was Jesus crazy? And so this author, his name's Dan Kent. He's a pastor and an author. I reached out to him because I wanted to make sure this article was like, by someone credible that knew, obviously, about mental illness, which I'll get into in a second. Um, And I emailed him. And he emailed me back right away. That is crazy. It was so cool. So he worked in mental health for 20 years, and he specialized in working with psychotic patients with like severe cases. Wow. So in this article, I can't think of someone more credible. So wow, yeah, I know. So in this article, he's basically, he compares Jesus to three possible and plausible diagnoses that he could have, mental illnesses that he could have. And obviously, like you said, he has the expertise to be able to categorically place him. Yes. There was like a reason why he picked these these three exactly. that could be contesters. You know? Okay. So the three were schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, bipolar one disorder, and sociopathic personality disorder. Okay. So he's comparing Jesus with the characteristics of these, like symptoms of these illnesses. And then he's debunking it, saying like why Jesus more than likely did not have it. So for schizophrenia, a lot of people um, that have this have like grand delusions. So most of them are, they like think they're God, which funny enough, Jesus is implying that he's God. So that would make sense, right? That might fit. Yeah. They also have bad hygiene. They lose track of time and people. They push people away. They go into isolation. Okay. So just with those few symptoms, Jesus, obviously, people were drawn to him. Like, they came in droves. And then he was 
most definitely focused on others. He was not pushing people away. He was very focused on others. And he was social. He went to dinners and weddings and all that. You know, he's very social. Now, not to say he didn't want time alone, but he absolutely was social. Yeah. Um, so there goes schizophrenia out the window. So the next one was bipolar. And a lot of people that present as bipolar one disorder, they are threatened when they're challenged. Like if someone doesn't agree with them. Yeah. They are also considered like the life of the party. They also can be delusional. They fight sleep and they actually have like a manic state and a depressive state and they chase the mania part of it. So they tend to not make a lot of sense. And then they can, most people can like see through that. People can see like something's off. They mm-hmm. they start to notice it. So why didn't Jesus have this? Why wasn't why couldn't Jesus be bipolar? One, he prayed and rested. He definitely was not losing sleep. He captivated people. So mm-hmm. people were like not seeing through him, like, oh, he's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, except the Pharisees, but uh he made sense and he had intricate teaching. He wasn't like all over the place. Right. Everything was super precise. Everything made sense. He wasn't. Oh yeah, that he's referred to as the greatest teacher. Yes. Um, he didn't have like rapid changing emotions and people questioned him constantly. Yeah. And he did not react poorly to it. You know, he, he took it in. So he was, he was questioned and challenged all the time. So then we have a sociopathic personality disorder that it presents, um, a lot of times they tell you what they want, what you want to hear. They flatter you, they manipulate, they use people. Um, they like to look good. They're very charming, but they also lie. Okay. You know, they tend to lie. Uh-huh. Um, they're very superficial. They have like, are very self-inflated, self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. So that one was the easiest one for me. I was like, yeah, no way. Because Jesus had nothing, first of all. So he definitely, you know, was not superficial. He, he certainly he, d- doesn't, he, yes, come he, off as a flattery type yes, of person yes. from the Bible. Um, he was for others. I mean, he fed exactly. the hungry. He washed the feet of the poor. He, you know, he gave his life. He gave his life. So he definitely was not selfish. And he told people the opposite of what they wanted to hear, you know, especially like repent, go yeah. and say no more, all that. He wasn't telling anyone what they wanted to hear. Nuh-uh. A lot of times people um, don't react well to people with these disorders. So if you have these disorders, you know, people don't react well to you. People reacted very well to him. They loved him. He right. was very well loved. So he just doesn't fit the mold. No, absolutely not. I mean, especially after what you're telling me, like even as you were saying it, you know, with, you know, instantly I was like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't make any yeah. sense. You, you, Ursula, you're picking it apart. You're like, nope, no, not him, not him. I know. So again, if you read the article, it says why he picked these specific ones, because obviously there's a ton more out there, but these ones would be the most probably the likely. Yes, right. Exactly. Yes. Given and, his experience. And yeah, that. absolutely. So it was, it is such a good article. And this Dan Kent, the author, he he is such a big heart for the mentally ill i mean he doesn't like calling them crazy or a loon or anything like that but he's like for this argument's sake we're just gonna go with that but he has so much compassion and love for these people oh my goodness that's so beautiful it's so good he was and he wrote me back and i was like i'm gonna use this he has no idea what i'm using it for (laughs) so surprise (laughs) surprise Um, and it's it's not to say that mental illness is like would be terrible if he had it because it says in the bible that jesus was fully made human so he very well could have, you know, had right. A he mental was susceptible, illness. right? Correct. Absolutely. But the only thing is, is that if he did, it makes you less credible. Well, if he did, then he's not the son of God because yeah. he said he was the son of God, and if he's also a lunatic, then he can't possibly, yeah, you know, be held credible to that fact. But yeah. obviously, as we've just looked at, like nothing about his personhood 
said that he was a lunatic or fit that category yeah. of mental illness, right? Yeah, absolutely. I You have to read this. I feel like you'll love it. I can't wait to read it afterward. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to send it to yes. you so bad, but I was like, no, I she's got to wait. She's got to wait. I know. Well, do you want to talk about whether or not Jesus could have been a liar? Yes, I do. I know you're going to come at me with something good. Tell me why Jesus was not a liar. Well, so for the sake of the argument, he might be. He might be. Let's look <laughs> at it. He might be. Because we're trying to figure out, right? Which one is he? It, Spoiler he's, alert. He is one Jesus of these. is God. <laughs> Stop spoiling the ending. Okay. So if Jesus knew that he was not God, then that makes him a liar. Okay. Absolutely. But also that makes him a hypocrite because he literally told others not to lie. But it also makes him a demon because for somebody to tell you to forsake your beliefs yeah. and, to, and to, to enter into this new faith where, you know, God, Jesus is the savior, that would make him a demon. But also it would have made him a fool because he would have died for a lie. You know, and we're not talking about like a simple death, you know, where he, they shot him in the back of the head or anything like this yeah. was an all, all day affair. It started in the middle of the night. I, I don't think he died until 3 p.m. This was excruciating pain he was in. I mean, this is like this is not a typical death by any means. And at the crucifixion, you know, the high priest asked him, are you Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Even at his crucifixion, he was standing strong. Yeah. Gosh, it's so crazy. And But as I was studying for this podcast, I also like I had to keep asking myself, can a lie produce good fruit? You know what I mean? Like, can a lie produce oh. good fruit? So, so look at this, like the logic of this. We're saying that Jesus lied about being the Son of God. 2,000 years ago for only three years, because that was the length of his ministry. So for three years, 2,000 years ago, somebody who made claims about his deity is still over 2,000 years later, influencing people to be the best possible version of themselves. Does that even <laughs> add up? Right? Like it yeah. does not add up. It yeah. wouldn't have, it would never have in any situation worked like that. But and also because it's like, it's hard to cover up. A, it's hard to cover up a small lie. Yeah. But this is like the lie Huge. of lies. <laughs> this, is, this is it, guys. But if logic doesn't speak to you, uh, I found a cold case homicide detective. His name is James Warner Wallace. He has been a homicide detective since 1988. It was the year I was born. Is oh, It's a good year. A good oh, year. my goodness. <laughs> Look, full circle. Full circle. <laughs> Um, but what I think is really cool about James Warner Wallace, and he has a ton of credentials. He's been on Dateline. He's a national speaker. He has books. We're going to link his book in our Instagram stories. But he is a former atheist, AJ, who used his investigative skills to explore the Christian worldview because he specializes in cold case, no body murders. Huh. So cold case, meaning decades could be decades old. And there's no body. So typically no evidence. Yeah. Oh, this is good. This is good. I know. Okay. So he says there are three motives for somebody to lie. And we're just going to go through them. The first one is financial greed. There is not a single story that supports Jesus wanting any financial gain. He was born into poverty. He remained in poverty. He was a nomad his whole life. He relied on the kindness and the generosity of strangers. Okay. Okay. In Matthew 19, he told the rich young man to sell everything he had, 
give it to the poor and come follow him. He didn't say, sell everything you have, give me the cash and let's go. He didn't say that, right? He taught the opposite of financial greed, like in Luke 6, when he promises that the poor will someday inherit you know, something far greater than the riches of the earth. He really often made the riches of the earth look like a joke. Like you're fighting for this. There's something far greater, far greater than this. And he also encouraged his disciples to love and care for the poor. You know, like in Matthew 25, when he told them that loving and helping poor people was the equivalent to showing God that you love God. You know, nothing about him supports a financial a financial greed. But there is also this really beautiful story in Mark 12 where they're at, they're at the temple and all these wealthy people are putting in money into the collection bin. And this poor little woman walks up and, sh- and she throws in two copper coins. you know. And Jesus turns to his disciples and he's like, she gave the greater gift in the eyes of God because she gave all that she had. You know, like he recognizes yeah. these two copper coins don't mean anything to anybody, but to God, they mean everything. Yeah. So let's move on, though. There, the second reason why someone would lie would be for a sexual or a relational desire. Uh, okay, so looking into this one, we know from Luke that many women followed Jesus during his ministry. He had multiple opportunities. In fact, women wanted to touch him all the time. You know, they were surrounding him. They wanted to be around him. And in fact, in the ancient world, if you were a spiritual or a powerful man, a weakness for females was almost like winked at. You know, like they, it was yeah. almost, almost like it went with yeah. the territory, <laughs> you know, but Jesus never even isolated himself with a woman, which I think is notable. And in fact, he was very countercultural towards women. In the ancient world, women were definitely second class citizens. Men dominated all aspects of government, public life, society. You were either a wife or a mother. You know, but in John 20, we see Jesus instructing Mary Magdalene, like, go tell everyone I'm ascending to heaven, you know, charging her with spreading the truth. Or a lie. We don't know yet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In John 4, he meets a Samaritan woman at a well. And, you know, so this is the trifecta, though. She's a woman. She's a Samaritan. And she has an immoral past. Okay, so she is like, he couldn't have chosen somebody less credible. Yet he chose her. And he, you know, he shares the truth with her and she happily starts to spread it to everyone who's willing to listen. He also directly addressed women in public, calling them daughters. By all accounts, Jesus was revolutionary in the treatment of women. There's nothing. There's nothing I could pull from that showed that he had any sexual or relational desire. I've never even thought about that. Yeah, because he's, he doesn't you lend to that. Put, yeah. Yes. he The last vibe anyone ever gets from Jesus in the Bible is sexual, <laughs> right? Like that's just <laughs> the last vibe you get. It's so true. <laughs> he was just, he was just such a pure person, you mm-hmm. know, he just, he didn't exude that type of energy. Yeah. And the last reason why somebody would lie or, you know, is for a pursuit of power. And you know how you said that the sociopathic personality disorder was like the least plausible for you? Yeah. So the pursuit of power was the least plausible for me. Yeah. Even though the other two were also very unplausible, like this one was just, as soon as I read it, I was like, I don't even, because there's not, there is nothing. You know, in most stories from his ministry, he served others, you know, even to people who were of questionable standing. He had nothing to gain from them. Yeah. He was certainly not pursuing power, especially when he was serving the lowest of the low, right? In in society, like in social standing. 
um, from healing people to washing people's feet. You know, he was just, his legacy was all about serving others. Uh, In Luke 22, his disciples asked him, you know, who would be the greatest in your kingdom? And Jesus taught them that the one who serves others is going to be the greatest in his kingdom. So I think that truthfully, nowhere in scripture or through legacy can we assert that Jesus knowingly lied about being God. Yeah. Remember when we were doing our research for episode two, Don't Have a Heart Attack? And I just remember at the time we really wanted to put in facts, like the historical facts. Yeah. Because we were talking a little bit about the Exodus from Egypt and the Old Testament. And then, you know, I had researched the historical aspect of it and realized that, you know, it's largely believed that Amenhotep II was the pharaoh of the Exodus, yes, was the pharaoh during the Exodus. And, you know, I just remember reading that and I don't know ultimately why we didn't add that in, but I just remember reading that and thinking like, oh gosh, like, duh, the Bible also matches with history. Yeah. You know, it it matches up, it works, it it makes sense. And so, you know, it's more and more, it's like, okay, this is real. And if this is real and and if Jesus is God, then there are great implications here. Yeah. I I remember seeing a video of some random guy, this was forever ago, saying, I am Christian because of the process of elimination. He's like, I've researched all the religions and the common denominator is Jesus. And I was like, gosh, I never, I never thought about that. But you know, AJ, like I feel like you also have to, and I said it earlier on, but applying logic to this overall picture, Jesus is considered to be the most influential person in world history. You know, as we discussed in our two-part series, Hot Mess Heroes, like his own disciples went on to glorify him, which resulted in horrific deaths for all but one. You know, is it really probable that a liar or a lunatic would incite this type of revolution, you know, would be so powerful that it echoes for generations? Logically, no. Like, no. No. The answer is no. (laughs) No. (laughs) He is who he said he was. All right, today's my turn for the super fun question. Alrighty, ready? I'm ready. Diving in. If you know this one, I'd be so mad. Because I didn't you know it. You should be so happy like, for <laughs> me if I know it. How many pairs of clean and unclean animals did the Lord tell Noah to take on the ark? So there's two answers. How many pairs of clean and, and unclean? unclean animals did the Lord tell Noah to take on the ark? Well, he told Noah to take one male of each species and one female of each species. So one pair. Is that your final answer? Well, I know it's wrong because you're smiling at me. No, I'm just asking. Shut up. <laughs> okay, it's, wrong. Is, it's wrong. What? It's wrong. It's wrong. It is. It is. I'm telling you, when I found this out, I was so excited. I don't know why I liked this one. So it's seven clean pairs and one unclean pair. And then seven pairs of each kind of bird. So, so I what's went the purpose back. of the unclean? That's just what God wanted, Ursula. <laughs> it's just what he wanted. I, I feel like I'm going to be in Genesis today. <laughs> you have to. I I went, when I was told this, I was like, he does not know. It was my friend's uncle. <laughs> Shout out. So um, he told me that. And I'm like, there's no, that doesn't make sense. Like yeah. it's, I, I learned this when I was little. So I went back and I read it. And I'm like, how did I miss this? You got to read it. Huh? Isn't it mind blowing? It's the things pretty we don't mind blowing. How many times have we read that and just not even thought, Give there it was something else. Of course, I'll, I my head is too foggy and too full of Sudafed to think of this. But I, there was something else I recently read that I was like, nope, that's not true. And I went back and I'm like, 
Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, I forget. That. Like, yes. Let's just have like common misconception episode. <laughs> well, actually, fun that you should say that because <laughs> in two weeks, we are going to take advantage of the spooky season and look at some real horror stories from the Bible, focusing on common misconceptions of hell. Nice. Yeah, I know. We're going to go there. I mean, we're not going to go there. We're going to heaven, but the podcast <laughs> is going to go there. And we're back to the books. All right. Um, and I'm going to introduce my awesome friend, Scott, today, who's an incredible radio show host whose testimony is one of a kind. AJ, he is as passionate about apologetics as we are. Oh, and he's definitely a radio host. <laughs> I know. When I heard it, I was like, I just love that he put so much energy and effort into this. Like you could you could hear it in his voice. Like I loved this, it. Yes. This I is awesome. It. So enjoy you guys. This is really one of a kind. I believe none of that. It's not true. It's just a good story my kids should hear. Oh, yeah, that was the uh, the comment that uh, punched me right in the face. Actually, it propelled me to change in ways that encourage me. How is it, how is it that we live or essentially grow up in a Christian house? You grow up hearing the the uh, the Bible lessons. You, you hear uh, about God and Christ. You study the Bible, and then one day, a college buddy picks you up, reminiscing about college, tells you that he's got kids, and when he drops you off at home, he says to you on the way out the door those words, "Scott, I know where you stand. Just want you to know that." It, I'm going to start taking my kids to church. I'm excited. I look at them and smile. I said, find a healthy, well-balanced one that teaches the truth. And he says to me, those words. I believe none of that. It's not even true. It's just a good story, and I want my kids to hear it. <laughs> I laugh because why do you want your kids to hear it if it's not true? But it, I didn't laugh then. I closed the door to his car and went in the house and put my face in my hands and said, why didn't you say anything? And I'll tell you why I didn't. Because I didn't have any answers. And here I am, growing up my entire life, age of 25, Christian, proclaimed it with confidence and could not answer the simple questions of the faith. And what does that, what does that do? What does that do to you? To me, it compelled me to change it. But the change wasn't just so that I could have an answer. What I found out is when I got into studying answers to people who asked me questions about my faith, I found my faith exploded. There are three major issues that I studied. We call them apologetics in, in theology, meaning to give an answer Apologia is an answer in Greek. It has nothing to do with apologizing, by the way, you must understand. I looked at three major things. 
And I wanted to understand these three because I felt like if I grasped these three things, I could have answers to anyone. But it turned out it wasn't just about my answers to other people. It was actually a massive, encouraging thing to me. See, I studied the deity and resurrection of Christ. I studied the reliability and the authority of the Bible. And I studied the creation evolution debate. And what I did is I began to study so I could give answers. But what it did is it changed me radically. This wasn't my parents' religion. This was the real thing. When you begin to see the evidences for the Christian faith, it will empower you beyond your wildest dreams. Sure, knowledge increases confidence and the lack of it is fear. But once you know these things to be true, it's radically different in your life. It wasn't these things that brought me to faith, obviously. I was brought to faith by Christ himself, who changed my heart. But it is these things that encourage you, that empower you, that embolden you to know these truths. And as the Bible says, these truths will set you free. It is an amazing transformation that I went through when I began to see the truth of my belief. Not just a belief, but the evidences of it confirmed. You see, it is my hope, and it's probably imaginally true that many people in America have heard of the Christian faith and immediately discount it. And I believe those who are Christians are not prepared to give answers. And I would say study these things. Dive deep. Know the deity and the resurrection of Christ, the authority and reliability of the Bible, and the creation evolution debate. And in that way, you will give yourself courage and empower yourself to embrace the faith of your birth in the covenant family. First Peter 3.16 says, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks. You're listening to the Lee Brothers on Mojo50.com. If this episode moved you, feel free to like, subscribe, and share, and join us every other Thursday. Also, if you'd like to share your testimony, please email us at infotollspodcast.com. And as always, may God bless you and may the Spirit fill you. 